This episode of Recorded is brought to you in partnership with the NYUAD Art Gallery and Art Center. It was not easy, even for the for the family. I had some support from my sisters because they like they are on the same age. But my father and mother they didn't approve it at the beginning because of the religion, because of the community in Syria. It's not something easy to to like say I'm a dancer. Alaa Krimit is a luminary of the region's contemporary dance scene. For the better part of the last decade, the Palestinian choreographer has been an ardent advocate of the art form through his Sima Dance Company, which he founded in Damascus in 2003. The company became a household name across the Middle East when it won the competitive reality show Arabs Got Talent in 2014. It moved to Dubai a year later and opened its own space at Al Sarkal Avenue in 2017. Since then, the Sima Dance Company has collaborated with several cultural institutions in the country and most recently presented Rhyme at NYUAD. The choreography was commissioned by the Art Center and expands on a piece originally created for Expo 2020 Dubai. Dance is Krimid's element. Growing up, however, he had to pursue his aspiration in secret, afraid of how his community would react. I was a kid, like five years old, I start watching Michael Jackson concerts and video clips and from there I started. So I started as a like hip hop jazz dancer at the beginning as a street dance mostly and then I went to the higher institute of dramatic art on age of 18. I went to the higher institute at the beginning just to not go to the to the army. So it wasn't a serious thing. It was just like as a I just want to, to continue my, like my study to just escape the army. Krimit's parents weren't thrilled with their son's choice. Men in Syria did not traditionally pursue dance as a profession, and they were worried about how sustainable a career in dance would be. Like, it's something not uh, allowed in Islam. Like, this is the first thing. For a man to be a dancer, it's not something uh, like good in front of the community. And also, it's not a career for them, like for, for the whole community. It, like, it wasn't a career. It was a hobby. Like you are uh, learning uh, dancing, like how, how you can live uh, from this. And after the success in my career, I don't think it's a problem no more. It's not a problem no more, honestly. For the family, I'm talking about the family. For the, for the community, it will be always a challenge, honestly. Krimid was not deterred, though. He took up jobs with dance companies in Syria. However, they mostly dealt with folklore dance. Their projects were also leaning more towards the commercial side of things. Krimid wanted to explore other avenues. It's not related to my study. And the whole atmosphere was really bad because like, I felt we are only entertainment. Like we are entertaining people and we do those uh, things without any idea, without anything. So it was a commercial thing. So I decided to create the company to... Because I felt actually we have a big gap in Syria and the Middle East. I think we have a big gap in the contemporary dance scene. This glaring vacuum of contemporary dance was what drove Krimit to establish the SEMA Dance Company. Actually, we didn't have any plans. We just started the company and we said we will try to do some performances. As a student, like, we didn't think about it like to be a really a professional company. And then we get opportunity to perform in Damascus Opera House in the first year after our uh, graduation. 
So we performed, and from that time, 2007, like it was the like the biggest performance we did. From 2007 until now, the company grow more and more and more and more. In 2012, fearing being drafted by the Syrian army, Krimit decided to move to Beirut. If I stayed, I need to go to the army, 100%. So I decided to leave the country and to leave everything behind me. It was so hard. At the beginning, it was so hard because actually I left everything. My home, my family, my job. I started from scratch again in Beirut. It was also so challenging because uh, as a Syrian, like I don't know if you know Beirut and Syria, like the complicated situation between them, it was so hard to find a job at the beginning because as a Syrian coming from Damascus to Beirut, it was really challenging without any money, without anything, because actually I lost everything. I left everything in my in my country. I couldn't take anything back. I decided to leave Beirut and to come to Dubai. Kermit says his move to Dubai was somewhat of an impulsive decision. He could never have envisioned eight years later he'd still be here and that his dance company would be thriving. As far as he was concerned, he was making a brief stop to try and plan out his next move. When I came to Dubai also, I didn't think that I would stay here so long. I said it's just um, like, it's a stop and then I will go to Europe maybe to some to another place, I don't know. But when I came to Dubai, I felt also there is a big gap here. And it was so challenging at the beginning because I started for the third time from scratch. And I don't know, I felt something so so beautiful in Dubai, I don't know. It's a feeling. First, I felt so safe here because Beirut, Syria, it was, uh, it was a nightmare for me. Last years, like from 2010, 2011 until 2014, it was the most difficult years in my life. Because of the passport thing, the security checks, the blocks everywhere, you feel you are always escaping from something. Here, I didn't feel this feeling. I felt this country so safe, very respectful. They have law, they have rules. If you have something, you can success here. The SEMA Dance Company's most recent project was Rhyme. Originally created for Expo 2020 Dubai, the piece was commissioned and expanded by NYUAD's Art Center. It draws parallels between contemporary dance and Arabic poetry through its narration, movement, and melody. The idea of rhyme started at Syria because I'm a big fan of the Arabic poetry, Oriental music, and I feel the Arabic language, it's really like, it's really, you can describe so many things in it. It's really rich. So I started this piece from a poem to Anufari. He's a Sufi writer. I don't know how to translate it. It's an Arabic poetry. Yeah. So I started this piece. I was a student in my fourth year in the college. And people loved it a lot. I did it in the theater day on March. It was a celebration. So from that moment, I felt that I need to continue this piece to be a full performance. And now after 10 years, I'm continuing. More than 10 years, actually. After 15 years, I'm like continue this journey of loving the oriental music, the Arabic poetry, the Arabic language. Another artist on the NYUAD's program this year is Philip Rashid. He is on a different side of the spectrum. The Iraqi Kurdish filmmaker and dancer will be presenting a live cinematic performance at the Arts Center at NYU Abu Dhabi in June. 
Basically, it's a transmedia project, which means it is a story told in various platforms. So through film, through live performance, uh, music and spoken word. And um, it's called the Main Circle 7.83. We have showed the work in progress of the film part because everything has been of course locked down and the public spaces were not available so we couldn't show the live parts and that's the part that we're developing now the performance is built on rashid's 2021 film it ain't where you're from the film explores the many facets of the middle east underground hip-hop scene from dance music and spoken word to graphics and street art we shot the whole film during lockdown almost I directed a lot of it remotely. I've always been active in few uh, elements like music, dance, filmmaking and acting. And I was trying to find shapes and forms in it for me to be able to tell a story. And I always separated those things. So I would do theater or I would make a track or, um, you know, I would act in a series. Rashid traces the film to an idea he had while visiting a workshop at the Art Center, led by the Weather Underground documentarian Sam Green. Luckily enough, a few years back, I had the chance to visit a workshop by Sam Green at the Art Center. Now, Sam Green is an Oscar-nominated documentary filmmaker, and I wanted to be part of that workshop. And I'm like, yes. So I visited that workshop, learned a lot, and then he showed his, his work, which was a life documentary so with the Kronos Quartet so he documented the story and he had live music and I'm like wow yes that's it (laughs) that's what I want to do right but then then from the hip-hop perspective for Rashid hip-hop transcends being merely a genre style or even artistic movement hip-hop is a community he says one that encourages individuality and freedom of expression themes that often strike a universal note I grew up in Amsterdam, I'm Iraqi Kurdish, my mom is Bulgarian, and uh, being a third culture kid basically means you have to find your voice in society, you have to uh, look for your identity, you don't belong anywhere, so how do you fit in, right? So you're looking for tools to express yourself and to be able to voice your thoughts, and with me, once I got hooked, it was such a relief the energy of hip-hop was really raw back in the day like in the 90s i'm talking early 90s 92 um that's when i first kind of got into it the raw beats the lyrics it really got me hooked in and then later on the movement and the freedom of expressing yourself through body language which is international and universal through breaking really took me around the globe so i i started developing that and um It really taught me about how to develop yourself as an artist. I'm a self-taught artist, so I didn't go to film school. I didn't go to art school. And it made me realize if I practice a few times doing a move and I can accomplish that, I can accomplish anything in my life. And that has been my motto. I was a quiet, shy kid and I got pushed in the circles to dance and earn my stripes. And all of a sudden, that's how you build your character, you know? Rashid's cross-cultural background was formative to both It Ain't Where You're From and The Main Circle, 783. As he reflected on his own experiences, he became interested in hearing and documenting his peers' stories. 
the project was the perfect opportunity for that. So when you start a project like this, you first think about your own story, right? Uh, even in the Arab world, me being Kurdish is being an underdog. Because when I came there, nobody knows about Kurds. Funny enough, they know more about Kurdish people in Europe um, and in the States. Recently, that has changed, of course. Um, and then you start thinking, okay, who else has a story that's that's interesting to tell? And they all need to be different from a different perspective. So I met another friend of mine who we know each other for 10 years now, who's also Iraqi. So not Kurdish, but he's Iraqi. And he also went through a lot of things, but again, from a different perspective. He lost his parents and um, had to basically grow up really fast. And while doing that, still wanted to dance. So that's a very interesting story. Well, one of the other characters basically comes from Saudi. And uh, I know him from a, a long time as well. All of a sudden in the interview, and this is a thing I didn't know, he tells me his father was a very well-known imam, right? And how does that work in the family dynamics? When he started dancing, he was afraid to tell them. And then when he told them, there's a moment of, of displacement or disconnection. And how do you deal with that? And then we have Lana from Beirut. And she's been dancing all her life, but her family supports her. But the difference there, again, is nobody supports her outside of her home, right? So there's not really a community. There's no places you really can train. And that's also something we always come across. We don't have platforms for ourselves to train on. And then you have Dust from, from Bahrain, who still lives with his parents, helps his parents out at their shop. But at the same time, he wants to be a street artist. So he spends a lot of his free time creating art, whether it's music, graffiti, or breaking. And he dropped out of school. And how does he create a future for himself, right? So those are very interesting stories. And the beautiful thing is we've all met each other in the UAE. And the UAE has been a beacon for street culture and street artists to come together and strive in that region and be able to work and create more art together. Despite its U.S. origins, Rashid says hip-hop is a unifying global movement. It is also a polychromatic one, adapting to different cultures, mediums, and contexts. That's what I keep asking everybody. How can this region add something to the, to the future or to the history right, of, of this movement? What is it adding? Is it just copying? right? It's an American movement. One of the characters for us really said it nicely. We are the cultural dance of street culture. We're the folklore dance of street culture, right? And that's the communication that we have. The older generation has their tribal dances. And it's such a core essence of the human being to create art. Again, but it's not known for, for that region to follow that path. But if you look at every tribe or culture in the world, what creates culture, right? It's food, it's music, it's dance, it's, uh, it's stories, and it's the connection of people. And that's what unifies and identifies a tribe, right? We have to represent that and keep that alive at the end of the day. Ultimately, Rashid says he wants to tell untold stories and to give the underdog the spotlight. Principles that parallel the ideals of hip-hop. 
I gotta tell stories nobody's telling in a way that they are not being told. So yeah, I am the underdog. I believe in the underdog story. I hope that it will inspire people, you know, to, to basically follow their passion or follow their dream and act on it and, and work hard and don't expect everything to be handed out to them, you know? If you work hard and you keep your energy right and you surround yourself with the right people, then there's a lot, you know, you can accomplish and it's safe. I feel human there. And in the end, preserving that sense of humanity is what art is all about. Everybody always, you know, is expected to be the doctor, the engineer, you know, the, the lawyer, uh, and it's great, you know, but who's going to take care of our soul again, of our spirit? During lockdown, we noticed how important these things are. Yeah, we eat food, but we also need to feed our minds. So we read, we watch films, we listen to music. You know, we have to connect with human beings because this is the essence of who we are. This is, otherwise we get depressed, not productive. You know, we can't sleep. These things are so essential to the human being. And I want people to be brave enough to take the decision to go that route. And make them realize through my story, hopefully, and the other people's stories, that it's not an easy path, but it's worth it. Thank you for listening to Recorded. To learn more about the NYUAD Art Gallery and Art Center's programming, please visit www.nyuad-artgallery or nyuad-artcenter.org. I've been your host, Razmik Bedirian. Thanks to Alain Krimid and Philip Rashid. This episode was produced by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. <laughs>